Man, the Lord has been moving today. Amen. It's really been an encouraging morning. And so hopefully this will add a nice period to it and uh, just kind of bring us into a conclusion of what God wants to say today. I've been here now 23 years, lived in Butte, Montana, and I never thought that in the 23 years that I've lived here that I would have experienced about probably, I would say, at least three or four earthquakes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody here ever not been in an earthquake? So we've all kind of felt the earth. Oh, we have one back there. Well, hang out. It's going to happen again. You know what an earthquake, an earthquake is when the tectonic plates underneath the the earth's surface, um, you know, they're constantly moving and every once in a while they get hung up on each other and the stress and the pressure builds to such a magnitude that eventually it just breaks. And what we feel at the surface of the earth is what happens way down beneath, underneath, and we feel the waves and the shaking that we experience is from the waves of that break or that, that breakout or whatever you want to call it. Well, we're going to be talking about the shaking. And I have this uh, word in my heart And I want to talk about a different kind of a shaking, not an earthquake, but a quaking that is taking place in the earth, and a shaking that is taking place in the earth, a disruption, you might even call it an interruption of the natural order of life. It's when things in life and in our world become so unstable that there's no way to prevent it, there's nothing you can do to stop it, you can't fix it. It's kind of like an earthquake. You just kind of have to hang on and ride it out. And um, there is a shaking going on, and I want to talk about this uh, today. I want to, this is kind of a little two-part series that I want to begin here today. Today I want to talk about when God shakes your world, and then next week, by God's grace, I think I'm going to go to this idea about being world shakers in a shaky world. I think that's where I'm going to go next week if God if God allows it. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Hebrews chapter 12. It will come up on the screen, I believe, and so you can follow along there. But in Hebrews chapter 12, this is the passage that I want to begin at today and largely what I'm going to be coming from today as we talk about when God shakes your world. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Notice those 
last two verses, he said, we're receiving a kingdom right now. The kingdom of God is coming, being established. The kingdom of God comes. We're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. So therefore, let's have grace. Let's hold on to grace that we may serve God acceptably and with fear. For our God is a consuming fire. So Father, we thank you for your presence once again. And we ask Holy Spirit for your grace in these next few moments as we hear your word, listen to your word, receive your word. Lord, I just pray for a special grace to be able to share it here today for every one of us to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen. Well, I was reading this passage, I was, you know, when you start talking about shakings and disturbances and movements and, you know, I was like, oh man, this seems like such a hard message or, you know, it seems, I was starting to really wanting to backtrack and wanting to maybe, you know, talk about something a lot more fun and, you know, something less disturbing and less shaky-uppy and all that kind of stuff. But right away, as soon as I began to think those thoughts, I felt like the Lord just said, you know, you just need to tell them how much I love them. And that if there is one thing for sure that we know about God, it's His love. The Bible says that God so loved the world. The world, He said, the very same God who said, I'm going to shake the earth and the heavens. He's, he's, the Bible says He so loves the world. And here's what First John said. Every one of us should see what great love the Father has for us, that He would call us His children. And one, one of the things that I've come to know about God's love is that it's tender in that warm, compassionate, uh, kind kind of way, but His love is also triumphant. I love that song we used to sing years ago that says His love never gives up, never runs out, never lets go of me. God's love is a triumphant love. He loves me tenderly. He loves me triumphantly, but also God's love is tough. God's love is tough love. It can be tough. God's love can be tough. In the sense that He's not going to coddle us or leave us to our own devices. He's going to love us. He's going to love us. And we know the old saying is so true. God loves you just as you are, but He loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. And as we walk with the Lord, the Bible says, David said, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And then just a a couple of verses later, he says, And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Inferring that sometimes God leads me through dark valleys of difficulty. And it's in those dark places that are disoriented and discomforting and and shaky. It's shaky ground. It's in those places that I learned 
to lean on him more and anything that I'm propping my life up on, anything that I'm putting my faith and my confidence is just begins to crumble to the ground more and more to the point where I learn that he is with me. I got nothing else to go for me. He's with me. So God loves us. And he loves us enough that he's going to allow us to go through and maybe even lead us through some shaky places in our lives. And there's a, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a whole lot of shaking going on right now. And there has been, and it's gotten worse. And things are happening right now that show that the world is a very unstable place. Psalms 82 Verse 5 in the Living Bible translation got it right. It says all the foundations of society are shaken to the core. And this shaking that we're experiencing isn't just out there. It's in here too. The temptation for us in the kingdom of God is to relegate this shaking to a demonic disturbance when actually it could be a divine disruption. I heard someone say a few months ago when we were right in the middle of COVID, he said, I hear a lot of people say that these are dark days. And this person said, I think these are divine days. And whatever evil intention Satan may have, God superintends. And God has a purpose. And God has a thing that he's doing when the world is shaking. And there's things going on. And this brings us to the Hebrew writer in chapter 12. The Jewish Christians were going through a shaking, a difficult circumstance and persecution. Many of them, or some of them, had been thrown into prison for their faith. And they, they were waffling this commitment to Jesus. That, that whole idea about giving your life fully to Jesus and trusting in the grace of God. They were beginning to backstep and backpedal a little bit because their family and their friends and their culture was coming against them. And all of Hebrews is written to say to the Christian, hang in there. Don't give up. You're going through a shaky time, but this has to happen in order that everything that you're depending on falls to the ground. So that all that remains is what of God. It's what, it's what is of God. That's all that matters. And that's what the whole book of Hebrews is. It's a warning. It's an exhortation. It's an encouragement. Don't walk away from your only true source of life. Stay close to Him. The shaking is necessary. The shaking is, well, it's a divine disruption. Satan may be behind it because like Joseph said, whatever the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. Whatever Satan's intentions, God superintends. And we can never forget about it. Hallelujah. Come on. Isn't that a good amen right there? So this is true of us too. We're going through a shaky time. I think... Things are shaking all around us. And I want to talk about the fact that when God shakes your world and my world, and I want you to see it just so we don't miss it. Look at verse 26. It says right here, if you have your Bibles open, it says, whose voice then shook the earth. And then he says at the latter part, he says, yet once more, I shake. That's the Lord talking. The Lord says, I shake things up. Amen. Smile at me out there. I'm not. 
I'm not trying to be a purveyor of bad news. When God shakes your world, first of all, when God shakes your world, he shakes us to awake us spiritually. What we're experiencing is a wake-up call. And about four months ago, that was the first word in our first kind of Sunday away COVID-19 issue. That the Lord gave me a word, church, wake up, or wake up, church, or something like that. And I was a little bit, this is partly why I was struggling today, because I feel like I'm stuck in a rut. But at the same time, I can't, I can't, I can't just kind of, whenever God puts it in my spirit, I got to try to say what he wants me to say. And so I feel like the Lord wants me to say it afresh in a new year this morning, that what we're experiencing for us in this room and in the body of Christ and the kingdom of God, this is a wake-up call spiritually. God is wanting to get our attention, and that's what God was doing to the nation of Israel. And that's what the writer is referring to here in verse 25, when he said, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. Don't fall asleep on the voice of God. God is speaking. God is moving. He said, Don't refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth, how much more shall we not escape? If we refuse the voice that comes from heaven. He said there was an earthly voice that they heard. It moved them. It rocked them. But they ended up refusing that voice. And he said, we are under a greater responsibility and privilege. Our voice is from heaven. Our voice is through the blood and the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. And he said, we can't refuse this. We can't go to sleep on this truth. We have to wake up. Church, we need to wake up. We need to wake up to the calling of God and the purpose of God and the promise of God and the will of God for every one of our lives. God is moving in the earth. There are things that He wants to do. And we can get so settled in and so comfortable in our world and our living that we just kind of go through the motions of Christianity and we want to vote Republican or Democrat. We relegate it to political positioning. It isn't about that at all. Kings come and kings go. Presidents come and presidents go. We're the people of the living God. And we can't go to sleep. Amen. We can't go to sleep on the word of God. We can't go to sleep on the voice of God. We've got to hear him. That word refuse. He said, don't see that you do not refuse. Everybody say refuse. You know that word refuse? That, I looked that up. That word does not mean stubborn, rebellious, Rejection. That's not what the word means. Really, the word is more, it, it, it carries a more subtle, almost a kind of a, even a darker connotation to it. It means to kind of um, subtly kind of beg off. Kind of like um, passive aggressiveness, I guess, if you will. It's like you, 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 you don't outright reject, you just kind of don't give it the attention. It's kind of like those wannabe disciples that came to Jesus one day and they said, Lord, we will follow you wherever you go. But first, Lord, I got to go take care of this. I bought that. This person's dying. I got to, and on and on. There were about six different places where they said, but first, Lord. And what happened was they went into a spiritual sleep of making excuses for why they're not where they need to be and why they don't want to get there just yet. It's that subtle kind of uh, withdrawing 
that comes from a heart that isn't fully on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we, many of us in the church today have a reputation for being Christian, but yet our experience is that of being spiritually asleep. And when God shakes things up, He's wanting to wake us up. And this is what happened. I love one of the... Well, if you have your Bibles, you're going to have to look at it. It's not going to come up on the screen. But in verse 24, right before we read verse 25, it says that Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant... How many thank God for Jesus? Come on. How many are thankful for the mediator of the new covenant? It says, for Jesus, right here in verse 24, the mediator of the new covenant... And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. The blood of Christ on your life speaks better things. Everybody say better things. God has better things in store for you than what you even know right now. And you can't go to sleep on God's promise and purpose for you. He has better things. His blood, Jesus' blood speaks Better things. Better things. I was thinking about in the Old Testament when Jacob stole his brother's birthright. How many of you know that his life, he hit shaky ground right away? He went on the run. That's what a lot of us start doing when the things, when, when the world around us starts shaking, we're on the run. We're going, we're running. But in, it, it, what is so beautiful about this, this whole picture, you can read about it in Genesis 28, is that one night when he was on the run, he was out in this desolate place, all there was was rocks everywhere. And the Bible said he found a stone and he made it a pillow. And he went to sleep. And here's this scoundrel of a man out in a wasteland. On the run, running from, really running, just running for his life. That God opens the heavens before him in a dream and he sees God up at the top of the ladder and angels ascending and descending up and down on that ladder. And God just pours promise over his life and speaks blessing over him and, and just affirms him. This is, this guy's a scoundrel. He's a thief. He's a deceiver. And God shows up in the middle of his life in his sleep and lets him know that I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. I have a destiny for you. The Bible said he woke up. Everybody say wake up. He woke up the next morning and he turned that stone into an altar. And he said, God is here and I didn't even know it. And I really believe that if we're many in the body of Christ today, the Lord is here, but we're asleep on it. And we don't even know it. But God has a vision for you. God has a destiny for you. God has a plan for you. God has a dream for you. God wants to open up the heavens over you in your life. And this happened. And then... uh, You know, thousands of years later, when Jesus comes on the face of the earth, there was a young man by the name of Nathaniel, and he came to meet Jesus. And the first words out of Jesus was, an Israelite indeed. And he said, how do you know me? And he said, I saw you beneath the tree. I saw you there. And then and then he says, well, man, you must be the Son of God. And he said, you think because I saw you there that you call me the Son of God? I'm going to... 
here's what's going to happen. You're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's another way of saying, son, you ain't seen nothing yet. You like that? You like what I told you? You haven't seen anything yet. Listen, God has a destiny and a purpose for everyone in this room. But we got to go through the shaking sometimes to wake up. It's the only way that God gets our attention sometimes. And I think God is stirring us and he's making things uncomfortable. So God shakes us to wake us. But also, number two, God shakes us to break us of false securities. The shake-up is a break-up, as in this sense. Anybody here ever been in the wrong relationship? Come on, anybody here ever been in a wrong relationship? I'm not talking about the one right now. <laughs> Next to you. I'm talking, No. There are things that we grow attached to, behaviors, attitudes, actions, beliefs, that we build into the framework of our life. And these things, we think, prop us. This gives me stability. This gives me grounding. And sometimes it is a person. And sometimes it's a church. And sometimes it's a pastor. And sometimes it's money, and sometimes you, you just fill in the blank. It could be on any number of things that we build into the framework of our life. And this, we think, is our security. And the Lord is wanting to teach us that I'm not just here to wake you up, but i got to break you up from those things that you're putting your trust in other than me. And it says it right here if you look In verse 26, he says in the last part, he says, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. In verse 27, now this yet once more indicates, look at it, look at these words, the removal of those things that are being shaken. What things? What things? He said, the things that are made. The things that you are making important in your life. The things that are of your own doing. The things that are of your own design, your own desire. You made that. I didn't make that. But I'm going to shake things up. I will allow there to come a shaking. I love you so much that I'm going to walk you through a difficult place, a discomforting place, a, a place that will maybe disorient you a little bit, but it'll shake away the things that you've been leaning on other than me. Man, I wish I was kinder on the 4th of July weekend. (laughs) Those things. What are those things? Well, those things are anything. Everybody say anything. Anything that comes between you and the Lord. We call those idols, of course. Anything that gets between you and God has got to fall like that, what was it, that 
idol in the temple of the Philistines, Dagon. When the presence of the God, when the presence of the Lord came in, woof, face down. When presence of God is moving in your life, God rattles, He shakes things, and idols have got to fall. Anything that's between you and God's got to go. Can't stand in the presence of God. Here's another thing. It's not just anything that comes between you and God, but it's also good things. Those things can be good things that are not God things. It's a good thing. Oh, this is good. I'm going to go after this for a while, and I'm going to lay this down, and I'm going to quit that, and I'm going to kind of put that off to the side because this is a good thing. But listen, it may not be a God thing. And I'm not here to determine what's good and God in your life. I have, I have enough on my hands trying to figure that out for me. Don't come to me and ask me to try to figure it out for you. I can't do it. I need Julie's help. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. So those things, things we make, things made, those things, anything or good things, or maybe it could be something, just something we believe by way of experience rather than by way of truth. See, some of us live on our experiences And that becomes our truth rather than the Word of God becoming our truth. And we align our feelings to the Word of God and the truth of God. But there are things that we're believing, things that we're acting out in. That it's it's a it's something we really believe. And I, you know, we talked about that a few weeks ago about you know repenting and and the mind and and uh, changing your mind. So I won't. I'll just leave it kind of there. But I just. There, there are things that we believe by way of experience rather than by way of truth. And we need the truth. Amen. And the Lord said, I'm going to shake everything down. I'm going I'm to teach you that those are not your securities. Those are not anything that you can build your life upon. And to, to really just trust me. And it's in those places when God shakes things down to the ground. That I learned that he's my security. He's my help. He's my strength. One of the subtle little stories in the Old Testament is when Isaiah, who was a prophet of God, but he had a life-transforming experience about six chapters in to the book of Isaiah. The Bible said Isaiah went into the temple of God. He went to the house of God. And he had a vision of God's glory. But here's how it starts. In the year that King Uzziah died. That's when I saw the Lord. Now you have to understand the significance of that statement. Uzziah was one of the great kings of Judah in the Old Testament. The Bible says about Uzziah that they knew that... His name was on the lips of every soul from Babylon to Egypt. He was a great king. Yes, he fell short. Yes, he messed up. But he was known as a great king. But when 
He died. There was a shaking going on. And it rocked Isaiah's world. And he's in the presence of God. And it was in that loss that he saw the Lord high and lifted up. To say to Isaiah, Isaiah, it, Uzziah's not your security. He's not the security of this nation. He's not the hope of the nation. I'm the hope of the nation. I'm your security. I'm going to do a great work. Are you ready to go with me now? That's essentially what happened in chapter 6. He was already a prophet, but God rocked his world. You're already a prophet. You're already men and women of God. But sometimes God has to rock our world so that we understand that the things that we think we thought were good things and our security, they're not. He is. Amen. And so God shakes us to awake us. God shakes us to break us of false securities. And then the final thing I want to share with you today is that God shakes us to make us vessels of glory. Look with me in verse 27. It says, Now yet, now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things... Look at these words. That the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Hallelujah. Come on. There are some things that will never be shaken. Can I tell you? God's throne will never be shaken. God's word will never be shaken. The true church that Jesus is building will go through shaking, but the church will not be shaken. If I were you, I'd get back to church. Amen. No, I'm joking. The child of God. The one who has been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We may go through shaking, but we will ourselves not be shaken. Because we're in Him. And He's in us. But He said, He said that there, there are things that cannot be shaken. They're going to remain. Look at verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Would you say those last words with me? Our God is a consuming fire. This passage that we just read comes out of the prophet Haggai. I want you to look at it with me. Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. Let me just, before I start reading it, just say that they were wanting to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed. But they were hung up on the fact that it wasn't going to be as glorious a temple as what Solomon built. They were... The enemies were working against them, but they were largely struggling with the fact that this is not going to be a good, this, isn't, this is going to pale by comparison. So why even start? I can't, I can't make this happen. I, I can't get my act together. Why do I even try? Amen. But here's what the Lord said through Haggai. He said, the Lord of hosts says, how many know when God talks, this is important. Come on, are you with me? Hang in there, I'm almost done, but I'm not done. He says, the Lord of hosts says, 
once more. It is a little while. It ain't going to be long. It ain't here yet, but when it comes, it's coming. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is talking. He's saying, I've got a plan. It's a glorious plan. You think Solomon's temple was great? I want you to go ahead and finish this temple. I want you to build this temple because the glory that is coming, you you can't even begin to imagine what's going to happen when my glory appears. And he's referring to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Solomon's temple was glorious in its structure. But it never held the essence of Jesus in bodily form like this temple would. The glory of God was manifest there. And beyond that, we know this, that God's glory now dwells in the temple of every one of us in this room. We are the temple of God's presence. We are the carriers of the glory of God. And God wants to do a work in our life. He wants to make our life. Sometimes we have to go through a shaking. We have to go through a disturbance. Because God is a part of the making process. God is making us. He's developing us. He's remaking us. He's building us. Amen. So he has to, he has to wake us up. And break us up. So that he can make us fresh and anew. Amen. The kingdom of God suffers violence. Everything about what God wants to do in your life, the enemy is coming against it and he wants to stop it. He wants to keep it back. But God has a plan to finish what he started in your life. And he's going to do it. Amen. Amen. So here's what he said in verse 28. Look at it again. He says, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. It may suffer violence, but it cannot be shaken. So let us have grace. Everybody say, have grace. You know what he's saying to those early Christians? He said, hold on to the grace of God. Hold on to grace. Don't go back into the law. Don't go back into your effort. Don't go back into your ability. Don't go back into trusting yourself. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to the grace of God in Jesus Christ for you. Hold on to that grace that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. God is wanting to make you and I a vessel of honor and glory where we serve Him, we work with Him, we walk with Him in that fear of God, knowing what He has done for us. We live our lives for His glory, for His praise. And those words that He said, for our God is a consuming fire, are really, they're really important words. 
And I think it draws a picture of the refining fire of God's work in our lives. Everybody in this room is gold. You're golden. But, everybody say but. But there's stuff there. Amen. There's stuff. And the shaking that we experience in our lives is a part of the refining process. Our God is a consuming fire. And He's going to burn out all those things on the inside of us. Listen, you can't fix yourself. You can't do this your own way. Only God can do it. Only His fire set to our soul can accomplish this. And he's a refiner's fire. And he's a launderer's soap, as Malachi said. And here's the process of what God is doing in our lives. Let me give you four words. I'm going I'm to try to close with these ideas. Inspection. The process of God making us, first of all, starts with inspection. God is seeing what's in us. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. What God is doing in the shaking process is he's searching into our heart. He's testing our thoughts and our, and our way of thinking in order that he can bring us to the place where we serve him acceptably with reverence and awe and fear. And he's finding out what's on the inside. There's an inspection going on. And Paul tells us that in the last day, we're going to all stand before the Bema seat of Christ. And all of our works on earth will be tried as though as by fire. Everything we did, every motivation we had, every thought we, every one of it's going to come under the scrutiny of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what was of him, what was in him is going to be golden. It's going to be, it's going to go into eternity. But what, what, but what wasn't of him will be burned up in the fire. Listen, if it happens then, don't you know it's happening now? The Lord is searching out our heart. And he's finding out what's on the inside of there. So there's inspection, then there's correction. This is what the Lord wants to do. He wants to bring correction in our life. In fact, let me just, I want to, I have a different scripture, but I want to read this one first. It's found in Hebrews 12, and it's right here in Hebrews 12 that we just read out of right here at the end of this chapter. Here's what it says. My son, do not despise the correction of the Lord, nor be discouraged when he rebukes you. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Are we having fun here today? I will bring this to a conclusion, but let's just sit there for a second. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves us so much that he brings correction. He brings inspection so that he can bring correction. So that he can give us divine direction. I'm thinking of Acts chapter 8. The scripture won't come up on there. 
In Acts chapter 8, the early church was stuck in Jerusalem. They were stuck in Jerusalem. Remember what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? He said, but you will go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But for seven chapters and for many years, the church was stuck in Jerusalem. Isn't it interesting? Acts 1.8 says, you'll go into all the world. But Acts 8.1 says, that's when they went into the other parts of the world. I just thought of that. I never thought of that before. 1.8 and 8.1. And what happened? Why? What got them on the move to go into Judea, Samaria? Persecution. Shaking. Their world was being shaken. Their world was shifting beneath their feet. Things were not like they used to be. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, they had favor with all men. By Acts chapter 7, the end of the chapter, they were running them out of town. We're a Christian nation. We were built on Christian values. Let me tell you something. We're post-Christian at best. Things are rocking and rolling. God is... And listen, sometimes this is the only way it's going to work. Is that the ground beneath our feet begins to shift. And it moves us. It gives us direction. I'm not saying I want it. I'm not saying I like it. I don't want to write a book about it. The book's already been written. God's moving. And he's making us to become his vessels by inspecting us, correcting us, to give us direction. And then the final word is obviously for perfection. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered, after your world has shut, shaken, after everything around you is rocking, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Peter's writing to Christians who literally were being persecuted because they called themselves Christian. And you know what he tells them in all of the book? He, he says, you know what? You're going through a fiery trial. And your world is being shaken and you're going through suffering. And he tells them, you know what he tells them? You don't, you don't protest. You don't go out and march the streets. You don't sign petitions. You just serve God. You walk with the Lord. You stay humble and stay in love with each other and love God and hang in there. And you're going to be, your world is going to be rocked and you're going to go through some suffering in your life. But, Look at what he says. The Lord will establish you. The Lord will perfect you. The Lord will strengthen you. God will settle you. Hallelujah. I love that word. I love that word perfect. The word perfect is katarizo. Everybody say that with me. Katarizo. Come on. That's Greek. Katarizo. Turn to somebody and say, that sounds Greek to me. 
Katarizo. You know, what the, you know what the Greek word for that in the Bible that it's used on several different occasions? Literally, the word is used to mean mending nets, restoring a fallen brother. Isn't that cool? There is one other one. Let me find it in my notes. Setting a broken bone. So the word is used, katarizo, perfect. To set the broken bone, to mend a broken net, or to restore a fallen brother. See, what God is doing sometimes, we don't see it this way, but there is sometimes it takes a shaking to get a healing. God is wanting to restore. He wants to reset us like a broken bone. There's a brokenness. We're not functional as we ought to be. So the Lord is allowing a shaking to go on in our lives to set, to reset our lives, to get us into a reset. To restore us if we have fallen along the way. Listen, never forget the righteous fall. But every time they get right back up because of God's grace and mercy. Hallelujah. And he wants to rebuild us like a net. The church is like a net. God, God's a fisherman. And he doesn't do it with just a line and, and a lure. But he has a grid called the church. The net. And I think God's mending the net. God's doing something to mend the net. Mending the net. And Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But we find these things when we get our world gets rocked. Amen. Let's stand together. Is your world shaken? Is there a shaking? I think we would all say, yeah, I think our world is shaking. But how about your world? Yours. Yours. The Lord loves you. He may be walking you through this just to get you back on track with what he's doing. So, Lord, we come before you right now. Thank you, God. You've been so good to us today. You've been so good to us, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for showing up already and speaking words that got our attention. Those recalling kind of words, come back to the cross. Come back to me. You orchestrated this day. You put all of this together, Lord, because you love us so much and you have plans for our lives. And I pray, Lord, that even in this season of shaking that we may be going through in our world, I just pray, Lord, that we won't try to fix it, 
We know we can't stop it. We can't prevent it. But help us, Lord, to stand in you through it. Give us our settledness. Establish our footing. God, if there are things that we're leaning on right now, if there is anything that you know you've been leaning on, just confess it, release it, and let it go. Let it crumble to the ground right now. By faith, just, Lord, I give you this. I've been leaning on this person. I've been leaning on this idea. I've been leaning on, and I've been putting my trust in this, and I just, you're my answer. Lord, I just pray right now that we would get our security from you. Our stability in you, Lord. Break us up from whatever we've been relating to, Lord, that isn't supposed to be a part of our life. Oh, God, move, we pray. Can we just, in honor of the Lord, just lift our hands to Him right now and let's just give Him our... Just give Him your praise right now. Just give Him your love. Just thank Him that He loves you enough to rock your world. Because it's, it's not a bad thing. It's not a wrong thing. Before we can be world shakers, we have to go through a shaky experience ourselves. Lord, we love You. We love You, Lord. We bless You, Lord. We honor You. We thank You, God, that You're with us every step of the way. Thank You for Your presence. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for what you're doing. And we thank you, God, that we are more than conquerors. God, I pray that none of us leave this place today thinking, oh, things are bad and things are going to get worse. I pray, God, that we leave today knowing that your throne, you are still seated on the throne. We are in you and you are in us. And we are more than conquerors. We're overcomers. Hallelujah, Lord. And I pray that we would live in the overcoming victory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So have your way, Lord. Have your way in us. Be Lord in our lives. Be Lord over us and in us and through us. We pray, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. And amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well. God bless you all. Have a, have a great rest of your 4th of July weekend. God bless you. Thanks for coming.